Game of Thrones. Oh my god. There's dragons. You gotta watch it. You see them. There's this fight scene with the tire. Winter's Welcome to the Coffee Clatch Crew Instant Coffee Game of Thrones Review. I'm Jason. I'm Christina. And today we are reviewing the finale, The Dragon and the Wolf. Episode 7 feels like we got here way too quick. Yeah, for sure. It, it happened way too fast. We like the longer seasons. We love Game of Thrones. Give me more Game of Thrones. Yes, although we had a nice full 80 minutes on the runtime. Which gives us our first conundrum. What do we talk about in the instant <laughs> cast and what do we leave for the full review? Okay, let me give you the twists and turns overview. Maybe that will help. Danny, John, and crew meet Cersei. They prove the existence of the Army of the Dead. This doesn't sway Cersei at all, who's already plotting against them with Euron, but it does change Jamie's mind. Sam joins Bran, and together they figure out the truth of John's parentage. Danny and John get together. Arya and Sansa take down Littlefinger, and the White Walkers take down the Wall. Okay, so a lot of what we predicted came true. Now, granted, we had a foolproof plan. We had like three predictions for every <laughs> character. So the chances were we'd get them right. I got to say, we were pretty wrong on the Winterfell stuff. We did want to see Littlefinger taken down, but we didn't think that was likely going to happen this season. I was so happy to see that. Yeah, we didn't see it happening that fast, especially the way they were setting it up. Last episode, we were left with the sisters are in conflict. Brienne is gone. Who is going to talk some sense into them? But for all you fans that thought that they were secretly plotting against Littlefinger, you were right. Do you think it was that way? Or do you think it was Littlefinger's final speech with Sansa that made her realize? Because it looked like Arya did not know until Sansa said Peter Baelish and looked at him. I think that was a play. I think that was all part of the act. I don't know how long they were in on this or if... Sansa was starting to have her doubts, and then after that last conversation went to Arya and Bran. But either way, that was great payoff. I also knew as soon as we saw the opening map and Eastwatch was still on there that that wall was coming down. And if we go all the way back to episode one, where we saw the opening map and we saw the ice freezing and we were like, oh my God, they're just going to walk on the ice. So no, that wasn't the case, but they were still showing us things are going to go down on Eastwatch. And you're not going to be happy about it. Yeah, as soon as they brought Eastwatch onto the map, we already had the wall. So there wasn't a real reason for them to add an additional location. I knew something important was going to happen there. And we talked for a long time about the magic on the wall coming down. Looks like our very initial prediction from seasons ago was actually correct, that physically the wall comes down. I have to say right at the top, I don't care who comes at me for this. I thought this was an amazing episode. I really liked it. There were some parts of this season midway through that maybe were touch and go a little spotty. We'll get into our season review on the bonus episode, but this finale was fantastic. I can't wait to get into it. Yeah, since you bring it up, just so the Clatchers know, you have three episodes remaining from us. This one, our full review, and then the following week we will do a bonus. Let's slow it down for a second and recognize our deaths for the episode. We had Littlefinger. 
Yes, we all rejoice. <laughs> and probably Tormund and Beric, we have to assume. I think so. One of our clatchers was asking on Twitter as well. I think we should assume so because they were stuck up there on that mountain. But I wonder what side they were on. A mountain wall. They took down the whole end of the wall right. that meets the sea, which is very close to where Eastwatch is. I don't know if the castle is actually at the very end of the wall. It was kind of hard to tell, but it doesn't look good for them. So this episode was directed by Jeremy Padeswa, another GOT veteran. He did our episode one for this season, and I've really liked everything he's done so far. I was excited to see what he would do with the finale. You know, I'm really happy with the way this season turned out as far as our director's. Last season, you and I were very worried because our two favorite directors were not coming back this season. Yeah. Miguel Sapochnik and Daniel Sackheim. We did have returning Mark Millad, Alan Taylor, and Jeremy Podeswa, and we also got Matt Shackman this season. And we know that usually they do two episodes each, but I like this structure. I don't think they've ever done this before where Podeswa did one in seven, and then in between you had directors doing two at a time. So the areas we covered in this episode were King's Landing, Dragonstone, Winterfell, and Eastwatch. Let's start out with King's Landing, where most of our action took place. We jokingly said, in the preview, we don't see Daenerys. And I said, maybe she's just flying around with the dragons. But I didn't expect them to give us such an epic shot of Drogon. Normally, we've grown accustomed to getting that drug feeling of, yes, we finally see the dragon, and then saying... All right, they've probably given us enough. They're not going to give us any more. This season, they let us have it. And with and the scene I'm talking about in particular is when Drogon lands and the way he climbs down that wall. Yeah. You have to rewind it and play it. He turns it to the side it. so she can slowly step off in epic fashion. But if you see, he's very, when he's doing that, he's a little vulnerable, right? So he's staring at them, making sure they don't make a move while she gets down. There was some real foreshadowing about dragons going on in the dialogue leading up to this. Foreshadowing of a lot of things, I think. On the way into the dragon pit, Jorah explains to Missandei that dragons don't understand what not to kill. And they go over the history of the dragon pit, how it must have been the most dangerous place in the world when Balerion was there. And I was thinking to myself at the time, I wonder if they're foreshadowing what Danny's going to do with her dragons during this meeting, or if it's going to be about the ice dragon. We also got some good meetings. Tyrion and Pod got to reunite for a minute. The Hound and Brienne, that was my favorite. That was great. I love that whole conversation. Brienne says she thought he was dead and explains she was only trying to protect Arya. And of course, he comes back with you and me both. And that was the dilemma we had that season. They both were protecting her. Brienne tells him Arya is alive and at Winterfell. And he had a great question. Who's protecting her if you're here? The only one that needs protecting is the one that gets in her way. Yeah, and he said it won't be me. And the way he said it was great. Uh, Looking back on it now, that was a clear foreshadowing of what's going to happen to Littlefinger. Mm -hmm. And you also have Tyrion and Bronn. We knew this link up had to happen. He says, here we all are, the heroes of Blackwater Bay. He's wondering if Bronn would change allegiance, and I really thought he would. But his explanation is he knows the wrath of Cersei. Well, that's true, but now that Jamie's leaving, I think Bronn will go with him. I hope so. And I wish we, it would have been the two of them riding off together in yeah. the end of that scene. I gotta say, I know I'm jumping ahead, but I was so happy for this. I saw it coming the minute Cersei started talking this episode. I was like, yes, this is it. This is when Jamie finally grows some dragon eggs <laughs> and finally leaves her. 
Yeah, a couple characters managed to find their inner strength this episode, right? We get a great Theon moment later on, too. But speaking about what you were saying, I knew it based on the costuming. They do such a great job with giving you clues about the storyline and our characters based on how they're dressed. When Cersei walks in with Kyburn and all her men behind her, they are all dressed completely in black except Jamie, who still has on his Lannister armor with the Lannister colors. So his allegiance is to what they were, what they had together, and that's not the case anymore. Cersei is doing her own thing. She's gone nutso. Even Clegane says it. It seems every bad idea has some Lannister cunt behind it. Yeah, there was a lot of vulgar <laughs> jokes this episode. I mean, right from the top, you got Bronn talking about the Unsullied yes. and their privates. Yeah, what was with that? And they that? just kept the, going with it. Going Theon with gets it. kicked in his private region later, which yeah. doesn't bother him at all, of course. There's nothing going on down there. And then later in the episode, Bronn makes another penis joke. <laughs> on a more serious note, we got the Hound and the Mountain together. Not really what we expected. We thought it was going to be a showdown. The Hound goes right up to him. I couldn't believe he recognized him the way he's looking underneath his armor. Well, Tyrion set him up for it, too. I mean, he made that remark, bringing his gaze right to him. And for a minute, it almost looked like he felt bad for him. He said, what did they do to you? But, you know, then, of course, he says, doesn't matter. This isn't how it ends for you. You've always known who's coming for you. What does he mean by that? Right away, I was thinking the God of Light, because his younger brother was tortured by fire. Oh, that's great. I didn't even think of that. For a minute, I thought he meant himself. Like, one of these days, you and me are going to have it out, and it's not today. But I like your explanation much better. He's seen it in the flames now, maybe. Maybe. Well, and then, like you said, we get the epic Danny entrance. It's just completely silent, and you hear the dragon roar. Cersei actually looked scared in this minute when the dragons oh, flew yes. in and Danny dismounted. Of course you would be. As happy as I was, and I always get giddy when the dragons come on screen, I had this drop in my stomach just seeing two of them and the reminder mm. that we've lost Viserion. Yeah, it wasn't the same. There's supposed to be three there, right? We also see them seated on each side, and I, I thought this was cool, noticing who got the chairs in the front to be part of the main team. You had Danny, Tyrion, Varys, and Missandei on one side, Cersei, Jaime, Kyburn, and Euron on the other. When you look at one side to the other, don't you see such a dichotomy of respect between them? And it's not just because they're the quote-unquote good guys. Look at the men Danny has behind her. You got Jon Snow, who, by the way, looks so badass just standing there. <laughs> yeah. You got Tyrion, who can talk his way out of anything. Varys, the master of whispers, who used to be on Cersei's side. Who hasn't said anything, not even a whisper. It's I weird. saw his face. He was just standing there staring. Don't you think it's weird she didn't comment on that, Cersei? Oh, I suppose so. And then you have Jorah. I got nothing but respect for that dude. Theon, I was glad that he was able to be here for this. And Euron really taunts him later on. Not even later on, it's right away. Cuts Tyrion off right at the first sentence. Before you even get into that, I was so upset thinking this entire time, why do they still think they might be able to talk Cersei into it? Why can't Danny just continue to walk on up there with Drogon, roast them? She's not going to get anybody except the couple of main dudes that we want to take out anyway. Nobody else needs to get hurt. No kingdoms burned. That's the end of the battle. And then they can go north with all the remaining troops and fight the army of the dead. They could have ended it right here. That would have been bad TV, and you know it. I know, but it would have made things a lot easier. 
So we want to go really deep into this part of the episode, and we will save that for the full review, but let's talk about the white. Yeah, that's really what it boils down to, right? The words aren't going to matter, so they have to do a demonstration to convince her. The hound brings in the crate. One, the hound does it on his own, carries it on his back, <laughs> and then drops it. And when he was dropping it behind him, I was like, that's really bad for your back, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Stupid. But... I immediately remembered everyone before the season started looking at the main trailer kept saying that looks like the mountain at the dragon pit. What is he doing there? What is he doing there? And we finally have the answer. Yeah, well, you said he seems to be the one sort of guarding him even from before they leave north of the wall all the way down here. So he sets it loose. I love this moment where you think it's going to go right at Cersei, (laughs) comes to within inches of her face before you realize it's chained up. And she is staring It's weird, kind of in horror, but also fascination. Like, she just can't believe this is true. And Kyburn's wheels are spinning, right? I wonder what's going on in his head for the experiments he could be doing when he picks up that hand and examines it. Oh, yeah, I was thinking right away, he's going to want to grab hold of the remainder of this body. Yep. The hound does his demonstration. He cuts it in half. It keeps moving. He cuts up an arm. It keeps crawling. And John eventually explains the only thing that will kill them is either fire and he lights the hand on fire, or a dragon glass. And he demonstrates that too. And Danny backs him up by saying she's seen all 100,000 at least. So we finally get a number on what that army looks like. And they didn't even bring up the fact that these aren't even the most dangerous ones. That's true. Why didn't they mention the White, White Walkers? Walkers? If I was John, I would have been like, you think that's bad? You should see the White Walkers. You ain't seen nothing yet. But I still would refrain from talking about the dragon. This is also the point where Euron leaves. I knew right away they <laughs> weren't, they weren't fooling me. I was like, no, yeah. he's going to get the fucking golden army. It was so obvious. And Cersei's about to accept the truce with the condition that the king of the north agrees not to take up arms on either side because she will trust the word of Ned Stark's son. When she said that, oh, I wanted to smack her. <laughs> <laughs> and he says he can't because he's already pledged to Danny. So that's the end of that conversation. So much to say about that. I will save it. There was one little moment. I thought we would see more of Brienne and Jamie and her possibly saying something that would get him to realize how crazy this all is and he should come join the side of the good. But really, she just she makes an effort. He rebuffs her. That's the end of it. And so once they all leave, they basically start ganging up on John, right? Danny tells him she's grateful for his loyalty, but essentially, you done messed up. I love the emotion she had in that scene. It was, it was very well acted because you could see the passion. She was touched by it, but at the same time, she was also broken and hurt by it. This isn't what they planned for. Did I just lose one of my children for nothing? And almost everyone else agrees with her. They say, John, you should have lied. What's going on? And he explains he knows this is what got his father killed, this whole honor thing. But lies aren't going to help them in this fight. They need to start getting on the same page. The entire time I was thinking to myself, he really is Ned Stark's son. No matter his lineage, no matter what, we know we're going to find out more about that later. And even before we saw it, I knew we had to get some more about the Rhaegar Lyanna thing. But he just has so much of Ned in him. Now they're really screwed and Tyrion steps up and says the only way to fix this is for him to go try to talk to Cersei alone. And we can get into that conversation fully later. But what I thought was interesting was... It seemed Cersei had a real honest moment with him. Maybe the first time I've seen her get genuinely emotional about anything for a long time. She was actually 
tearing up. She was upset with him in a way I don't know that I'd realized she had felt this whole time, that he truly did betray her. She definitely feels that way. And as much as she claims to hate him, she clearly still sees him as part of the family and he thinks he's responsible for basically leaving them open to attack. So that was interesting. And she couldn't have him killed. Yeah, let's leave it on that. The fact that she couldn't have him killed, nor could she have Jamie killed. But it seemed like it was even harder. Like There was no way she was going to make the decision to have Tyrion killed. And I was shocked about that. Oh, and Tyrion realizes she's pregnant. He's too smart. There was also another brief comment in here that we'll get into in the deep dive. But when we go back over to John and Danny having their little conversation, and John remarks to her, hey, you know this prophecy you're telling me about? Did you ever consider that that witch could be wrong? Maybe yeah. you can still have children? As if we weren't getting enough clues <laughs> that that's going to happen. So I believe what I said last episode, that during the break, she will become pregnant and she will at least... I think she'll have the baby. What's funny about that, I was talking to my sister before this episode, and I said, I think tonight is the night you see John and Danny get together, and it's only going to take one night for <laughs> her to get pregnant, because I did think John would realize about his lineage after this, and that might cause problems between them. But if she's already pregnant, you know. I want to say this again. I hope she has the baby on the off-season. If she's really pregnant next season... Is it that he ends up being a rider because she can't ride right now? Oh, that's a cool twist. And and maybe it's like right at the end of her pregnancy, so we don't have to worry about the logistics too long, but we do see John get to ride Rhaegal. Or Drogon, if she can't ride. Yeah, but we suspected that the bond was going to end up being with Rhaegal because of the name. Right. What if John dies, and as he's dying, she has the baby? And that's no, like the bittersweet. No, no, Let's not go <laughs> there yet. Okay. We do see, though, that they're really united on this front now when they go back to Dragonstone and they're on the same page in this meeting they have with everyone. They agree to sail together to White Harbor. And then you get the Theon-John scene, which I wasn't even expecting that tonight. But it was really great because Theon's talking about how he's been faced with this impossible choice his whole life stark versus Greyjoy felt like he could never make the right decision and talk about a massive foreshadowing john comes back with you don't need to choose you're a Greyjoy and you're a stark do you think it'll be theon that in return reminds john that he is a targaryen and a stark oh i hope so because he's gonna have to hear that once he gets this news laid on him yeah i hear you and that's normally what television does but to be honest with you, I don't want to see Jon Snow torn up from this news. I'd rather it be used and he realizes his worth and, re and gets to know the dragons now rather than him all torn up by it. I don't want to see that. We don't have time for that. I don't think he's going to be torn up by it, but I think you at least have to have a little bit of a struggle. I mean, Bran says it later on in this episode. That makes him the rightful heir to the Iron Throne. There's no way Danny doesn't feel some kind of way about that and that's going to make John feel conflicted now that he's in love with her so I think what's really cool is we were trying to find Theon's place in the future story if he does make it into season eight we thought his immediate purpose was going to be to save Yara which it seems it will be but past that maybe he does need to serve as a reflection point for John he is somebody that got to the worst of this struggle. His whole life trying to figure out who he really was and not feeling like he was a true son of Ned Stark, and thus he couldn't be a Stark. 
And it's so easy for John in this moment to tell him, but he raised you. You'll always have Ned inside of you. But if he finds out that Ned's not his true father, I have to think he's going to have a bit of that same feeling going on. So we'll go back to Theon's turning point in the deep dive episode, but let's stay with the John situation because we did get that revelation. So we finally get to see what Lyanna whispers. Mind blown for the book readers. The one part of that secret we weren't in on yet was what she intended to name John. You knew this was going to be a big deal because it was going to be a Targaryen kind of name. And that's what Ned realizes when he comes to take the baby back. He can't let him keep this name. He's got to give him a more normal bastard sounding name. And the name is Aegon. I like John better. So they're definitely remixing aspects from book canon. I don't want to give any spoilers here. We're going to come back to that in the full review cast. Did you notice that it seemed the guy that was playing Rhaegar in this flashback was the actor who played Viserys? Well, it definitely looked like him. We got kind of a profile. They changed his face a little bit. Is more scarred and older looking. I but think that has to be think him, so? hands down. Yeah, he's so distinctive looking. I guess you can use the same actor if they're brothers. Yeah, they would have looked similar, I suppose. But Bran is about to go off on a whole wrong truth here, thinking that this would make John a sand, still a bastard, exactly what we were thinking. It's reflecting the viewer's journey this whole season until Sam contributes. And we were really hoping that Sam and Bran would get together on putting these pieces of the story together for us. He says that he read about it in a scroll, that they were married in secret. Can Bran go back and take a look? And apparently Bran has enough control now over these visions that he can go back to specific memories. I also thought it was key that Bran keeps telling us, I can see the past and I can see the present, what's happening right now. He never says, I can see the future. Right, which makes me second guess a lot. Did we just assume that they can see the future? We thought that's part of what Greensight was, and it seems like the Night King has that, but does right. Bran not? Maybe not yet? It's very strange. I think that changes a lot for me. I'm going to have to think on that more for next time. But of course, while Bran is getting this vision and talking about Rhaegar and Lyanna, he's saying, oh, everything we heard was lies. These stories about him kidnapping her, it wasn't true. They were in love. And now we go over to John and Danny at Dragonstone, the same situation kind of unfolding, except neither of them knows what the background is, and they wind up sleeping together. And Tyrion's watching on from the hallway. Yeah, he seems sad. At first I was like, creepy, but then I was like, oh, he's sad. Yeah. So he loves Danny. I think maybe that's what his side of the conversation was about when they were talking by the fire, and he was yeah. upset that... She didn't consider him a hero and look at all the men that have fallen in love with her before now. Maybe mm. it's like, how could I compete with that? I see what you're saying. Yeah, you might be right. And that's that's really sad. Oh my God, I feel bad for him. So we do get the scene. Finally, John and Danny are together, even if it's only for a moment that they're happy. At least we get to have that. But the love is falling apart between Cersei and Jamie. He has finally seen the light. He kept saying, what is it going to take, even the beginning of this episode? And I really wondered for a minute, maybe Jamie never yeah. leaves her side. But I was he, getting worried about that. He did it. Well, what finally broke him was her complete lack of honor. Yeah. Her on purpose, her purposefully setting this up and just straight up lying. I think lying to him, too. Yes. Right? Because it, Euron knew. We she were didn't, always but he didn't. 
we were always together. No matter what, it's me and you against the world. And supposedly we're going to war for us and our unborn child. And now she doesn't even fill him in on the plan. Yeah. Plus, she just doesn't get it. He keeps trying to tell her, we can't fight Danny's army. We can't fight the army of the dead. What is the matter with you? <laughs> so uh, is he's riding north, I guess? Yeah, I hope so. That's awesome. Where else is he going to go? I mean, he is one of our heroes. And Game of Thrones made us hate him, love him, and kind of respect him. Like, they didn't make us hate him again. They made us worried about him. Still respect him, mad at him at times. We but wanted to see him complete yeah. that arc. We were cheering for him to stand up. Now, he didn't kill her. He didn't take her out yet. But I don't think that's off the table for the future. Yeah, that brings up a question. Are they going to wrap up the Night King and the War for the Crown in one season? Or will the crown not matter? So it won't even be about the crown anymore. I don't know. I thought tonight was going to put that to bed one way or another. But it hasn't. It seems like you're right that they're going to keep both of this going, at least for a portion of season eight. Do you think it's going to come down to John and Danny end up saving the world while Cersei is on the throne and by process of elimination, meaning deaths, it ends with her smiling on the throne? It very well might, I guess. And that means they really didn't change anything. Like if if history has been repeating itself all of these times and the heroes have just been pushing the army of the dead back north and so busy trying to figure that out, by the time they finally get it done and they lose all these men, the rest of the world has moved on and the wheel has kept going. Well, we're getting into bonus territory there. Sorry (laughs) about that. Yeah, we have one more thing to talk about, so let's get to that. We're not going to dig too deep into Winterfell because I really am excited to talk later about how this might have unfolded and the moments between Sansa and Arya. But just to say that we finally get the epic scene where Arya comes into the Great Hall. We think Sansa is accusing her. She says, you are accused of murder and treason, Lord Baelish. That was epic. I knew the whole time. And I think it was just my childish like, nope, nope, she's not going to kill Arya. She's going to turn to Lord Baelish, and it happened. Yeah, and she makes us remember, just in case we hadn't, how much we really hate him. Everything he's done for murdering Lysa Arryn, conspiring to murder John Arryn, conspiring with Cersei to have Ned imprisoned, and even Bran chimes in. <laughs> you know, He saw the moment where Littlefinger held a knife to Ned's throat. And then Arya, in epic assassin fashion, takes out her dagger and slits his throat. Yeah. While he begs for mercy from Sansa. His dying words, Sansa, please. I love how fast it was, too. It was perfect. And I think you just brought, during peacetime, their first reality show, Assassin Fashion. (laughs) Oh, but they can't even end it well. You know, we get the good Sansa and Arya moment later up on the battlements. But then we go down to Bran at the Heart Tree, who's warging into the Ravens of Eastwatch. I just want to state again how beautiful this show is. And I'm just going to keep saying it because it keeps blowing me away. Right down to the simplicity of the bright red leaves of the Heart Tree in contrast with the white snow. Yeah. So beautiful. Yeah, important to mention it was snowing in King's Landing. Yep. Finally, when Jamie left. So I don't know if that's going to start to... Make people realize now? Cersei, what else do you need to see? I don't understand. 
there was also some beautiful music stuff happening earlier on when everything's setting up in King's Landing. You got this almost battle version of the Reigns of Castamere mm-hmm. with drums yeah. in the background. But yeah, the final scene is Tormund and Beric on top of the wall watching and they see the army of the dead come forward. They march out and then they stop. You get the three horns, oh, meaning whites. Knew it was coming. The white dragon flies out, spitting what looks like lightning at first because it's this electric blue light. Yeah, but just it's just ice fire. Out. It's some kind of weird frozen fire. I don't even know if I really understand. It's fryer. It's a new kind of frozen fire. <laughs> well, it, it does what looks like similar damage as the dragon fire, right? It shoots out in this really strong, targeted flame. I feel like it's worse. Yeah. Like, more damage because the way it just dismantles that wall. And that wall is no joke. Yeah, it, it flows it. right through it. Even the way he was yelling, when you hear his roar, it's like a screech, but it has yeah. that dead quality to it. That was frightening. The Night King riding on top of him. And they did what I would have done. Run. Run. I didn't know if it helped them, but yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. So that was insane, epic, a really great finale, I thought. I don't know what more I could have wanted from a final episode here. And that brings us to your move. Clatchers, it's your turn to vote for your MVB on our Twitter, at CKC Podcast. We have Cersei... Sansa slash Arya, they're both number two. You got to team them up here. Number three, the Night King and his dragon. Those are teamed up. Yep. And number four, Bran. Now, we wanted to put Jamie in there, but I think Jamie's MVB moment will be next season. This is he, just him waking up finally. Yeah, well, and Bran hasn't managed to do much all season. So I don't know if you're really going to consider this epic given the fact that he kind of didn't learn any new information that we didn't already know but at least he's teamed up with the Starks and trying to do something with the powers the vision that he's getting and I'm hoping once he gets that vision of the wall he'll be able to let our characters know with enough time that we can mobilize but I mean they're already on their way through so (laughs) yeah but I hear I hear you on that but I disagree a little bit okay everything that Sansa knew that she was saying about Littlefinger was from Bran, because mm. she knew details, and Bran was right next to her when she was saying it. So I think we got to throw that into him being the MVB, making sure the sisters were the ones that actually knew what was going on. Yeah, we're able to team up. Well, I like it, and this is your last opportunity this season to put your vote in for MVB. No, that's not actually true. <laughs> we will also do the MVB for the season in the that's bonus right. episode. That's right. So also start Keep thinking about that, that, who your most valuable person was for the entire season seven. All right. So we'll see you in a couple days. Let us know your thoughts. In the full review podcast, we will be getting more into those areas that we didn't discuss. We'll do our character analysis, flesh out some areas where we can with book background and knowledge. We'll give our ratings for the episode. And we'll get into Clatcher's comments. Till next time, this round's on me. This round is on me! Please hang up and try again.